In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The gospel lesson we just heard is, let's be honest, a little strange. It is dense. It did not make much sense to me the first time I read through it, and so I figured, let's just start at the beginning and go through this together. So Jesus says there's a rich man who had a manager who squandered his wealth. That's a pretty good hook, so I'm in. The rich man summons the manager and tells him he's soon going to fire him for being bad at his job. But the manager doesn't just mope away sadly. The manager starts to scheme and devise a plan in which when he loses this job, he's going to have another job. Now at this point in the story, I'm thinking that the manager is trying a little bit too hard. As he begins to call debtors in, he is working himself into a deeper and deeper hole. And I totally sympathize with this manager because I have been this manager. When I don't do things as well as I want to do, I will try and save myself. I will try to keep doing something and try to get myself out of that hole rather than just admit that I'm wrong. And I dig myself deeper and deeper and deeper because I hate to be wrong. I hate to make mistakes. It is so frustrating and it's very tempting to try and save yourself when you find that you have started down the wrong path. Now as the story goes on, we see that the manager calls together all the people who are in debt to his wealthy employer. He starts to ask them how much they owe and he begins slashing their debts, which seems a little strange except Luke has already let us in on the trick. This manager, knowing he's going to lose his job, is trying to make friends with all the people who owe his employer money so one of them will hire him when he is fired. That's kind of smart. That's kind of shrewd. And as he slashes these debts, I thought, now he's going to get what he deserves. Here it comes, the moment of truth when you know the manager is going to get yelled at because the wealthy person is going to be super angry that he's slashing all of his debts. And then Jesus says, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. What? Then he goes on and he says, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Excuse me? This is so dense that I feel like we have to dig a little bit deeper in order to find out what Jesus is really saying because my assumption is Jesus is telling the story for a good reason. Let's get to the good reason. First off, let's start with the gospel writer himself. Luke is a complex writer. Luke is a beautiful writer and does not waste words. One of the literary techniques that Luke uses throughout his gospel is using the phrase, how much more? in order to show how much more God can do or God can love or God can give than we can. Take, for example, a few spots in the gospel lesson. One where Jesus says, is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, would give a snake instead of a fish? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Or in another place, Jesus says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Now, although Luke doesn't use that explicit phrase here, I think that the implicit idea behind the story is very similar. Jesus says that the wealthy man commends his manager for being shrewd. Shrewd does not sound like the most 
biblical commendation that we could receive. But yet shrewd is held up here. By commending someone for acting shrewdly, the implication seems to be that the end justifies the means. That's a little dangerous for us, except we kind of know how this works, right? Sounds like the world. Most of us know that when we act shrewdly, we are often rewarded for our shrewdness. When we act wise within our industries, we often get raises or rewards. We know that being shrewd pays, but still it seems a little odd to hear this from scripture. You know, my grandma always told me, honesty is the best policy, but unfortunately not all of us follow that rule. So Jesus offers a few instructions in this passage that might give us a little clarity around the point of the story. He says, children of light need to one, act shrewdly, and two, be faithful with dishonest wealth. Now, although that can seem a little off-putting, hang with me because we're gonna parse both those out. First, we know that being shrewd can be rewarded. Jesus is nudging us toward the wisdom of acting shrewdly in this world. Being shrewd, wise in what we do, helps us to navigate the complexities of this world. You see, we are here in this life for only a short period of time and we've been given opportunities and gifts and we're called to seize those opportunities and to use those gifts and to do so well in order to work toward an even higher goal. Because the second thing Jesus says is that we are to, what? Be faithful with wealth. To be faithful with wealth means that we've got something to give. We have been given gifts and we turn those gifts into real tangible wealth. When we are wise, we are able to amass for ourselves a lot of authority, power, and yes, money. Put it clearly, if we succeed in maximizing our worldly wealth and power, we will be able to maximize our worldly impact for good. See, perhaps that's the real conclusion that Jesus makes here in this parable. To quote Jesus from just a few chapters earlier, he said, to whom much is given, much will be required, and to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. So Jesus is not finished with this parable. The point of this lesson is not simply a call to multiply our gifts and to become wealthier and wealthier, although he does point to the value of being shrewd. For Jesus, and indeed for us, the real truth of this passage is the point in this dense parable that we are really yoked to this world. We are anchored to this world. We are tempted by this world to believe that all the gifts and the power and authority we have is all stuff that we earned. When in fact, God has given us all of these gifts and every opportunity we have. And make no mistake, when Jesus talks about wealth, he's not talking about wealth in some vague way. Jesus is talking about tangible wealth, our actual money. And for many people, when we talk about money in church, you kind of get a little icky. You know, Episcopalians don't really like talking about that. But Jesus likes talking about money a lot. Think of these stats. Nearly half of the 39 parables in the Gospels deal directly with money. 
In fact, one out of seven verses in the entire Gospel of Luke, the entire Gospel, deal directly with money. Jesus deals with money right at its face. And so we should have the courage to vet these ideas as well. When we consider how Jesus wrestles with money, I think perhaps the point of today's parable is that we have a complex relationship with the wealth that we receive. See, the good gifts and the opportunities come from God. And Jesus says at the very end, we cannot serve God and wealth. We cannot celebrate our gifts and our talents and our comforts and our strengths unless we know that we are anchored to the one true God. Now to make this as clear as possible, our money is not for us. Our money, what we amass in this world is in order to apply to the extension of God's kingdom here on earth, to do God's sacred work in the world. Our money is nothing if we are not putting it to good use in order to expand the heavens now. See, grace is poured out on every one of us, even when we don't deserve it. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus talks about a dishonest manager who still receives God's grace and he did not earn it. And if we're honest, we know that we have received grace upon grace upon grace when we do not deserve it. God loves us. God loves us unconditionally and God pours upon us gifts and opportunities so that we can be successful in this world in order to expand God's kingdom on earth. Perhaps we know too well that we have more than we need and that we have the opportunity to give that away and to invest that in the life of this world for those in greatest need. I hope that you have been following along in your grace journals this month. If you have not, I encourage you to get started because when we are aware of the grace that is poured upon us freely, we will change. Our hearts and minds will refocus toward God and we will feel the courage and the empowerment to use these God-given gifts in order to do good in this world. See, the grace we have received is nothing we've earned, and yet we receive that grace every day. As we receive that grace, may we be confident in what Jesus tells us over and over again, that God's promise is true, that the best is yet to come. Amen. Amen.